Welcome back for another episode of By Order of the Peaky Blinders. We're kind of adopting into By Order of Gangs of London for the time being as Josh and I are breaking down another episode. We've gone through two. And Josh, what did you think of this third episode of Gangs of London? We saw a flashback similarly to episode two, but this one was, in my opinion, a lot more tied into this convoluted plot. Very, very interesting episode. Wasn't, you know, it was kind of more of a setup episode, I, I think, you know, leading up into the next. And I've actually taken a peek at the IMDb rankings of the next few episodes. And not four, but five has a 9.5 or 9.6, I believe, which is far, far ahead of the other episodes, which got 8.8, 8.9, 9.0s. So I'm, I'm anticipating that this episode and episode four are huge setups for a in an amazing epic episode five yeah i'm excited too this one number three was directed by corin hardy as well written by peter barry and it gives us a lot more information on what's going on josh no in my opinion we don't have many more questions which is fantastic i don't want westworld i don't want to be asking questions for the next seven episodes i like to answer the questions right away first of all I was wrong. They are not in Albania. They are in like an area of a lot of Albania transports, I guess. So when they talked about that, maybe Albania town is what they referenced it. And so we get like a look at the, you know, security or the agent that is the handler for Elliot talking to the next door neighbor. And we learn it all connects together, the, uh, the boat and the woman and she's pregnant. And so there's, there's a lot going on in Finn Wallace's life, even though he may not be a part of it anymore. That was a huge, uh, a huge scene to kind of tell us, you know, a little more insight into the character that we have no idea about. As I said in the, in the first episode that we broke down, you know, it's interesting that we, there's such a huge character who we don't know, similar to like a John Aaron of Game of Thrones. So we start to get a little more insight into Finn Wallace's life. We figure out what the family business is. You know, Finn, he's, Finn Wallace was a real estate tycoon, huge player in the construction industry. Um, they build these skyscrapers. They build giant, giant buildings, and it's a very lucrative business. We see that Alex, Alex kind of, you know, is running the business. He's speaking to that, to that group of, of uh, school children about, you know, being smart with your money. And, and how you can build yourself from the ground up. So we find out that Finn, you know, started from the bottom and really rose to the top. So we get a lot of insight into the kind of person that Finn Wallace was. And we finally see what kind of business he ran. You know, that was definitely the financial district of, of London. I think, Daniel, you mentioned to me that you visited one of those buildings. And it's yeah, a very it's, different part of London. I was going to say, everyone will know what it looks like. They may not all know the name, but the Gherkin is the... Uh, right. The... The cylindrical it swirling like goes up to a point. Side, right? It kind of yeah. has like, right, spiral. It's like a spiral. Yeah, um, exactly. So, we, so you saw that in the back. Right. We saw that. And I mean, I've been to London once in my life, and I vividly remember how different this part of London is from the other part of London, which is still, you know, you know, like the, the whole Piccadilly area and, and Soho and all those different other areas, which are so different from this. And so we kind of get an insight to how large and how vast London really is, as we talked about in the last episode, when Sean is looking over to see his whole entire giant territory. So I thought that that was interesting to kind of have that perspective and not just like, you know, the streets of the gang violence. And then you've got the fact that Finn's son, Sean, has done something. Well, clearly, you know, 
Alex's sister, I believe her name is Shannon, who is pretty much in charge of the interior decorating, it looks like, and really wanted to get some with Elliot, you know, moving the rugs and moving her and all that. But she mentions that Sean is so good at what he does. And clearly it's right. not, it doesn't have to do with patience. It has to do with building these buildings. We don't know at what, you know, capacity that he runs the business, but clearly he, when, when he has something in mind, he does it. And this episode, he had one thing in mind, and that was get the money from Lale and get her allegiance. And by the end of the episode, Josh, I don't know about you, but I was super worried about Sean's life. I, I, I just had this feeling that everything was going to go bad, him hiring Cole. But at the end of the day, it looks like maybe he's got himself a love interest in, in Lale, which we'll talk about in a second. But we got to, I mean, we've been bashing Joe Cole's character for two episodes now. We got to give credit where credit's due. I think he pulled off a fantastic move here on Lale. It's, it's interesting because it was frustrating too. Once again, like you and I talked about, like, we, like you told me that you think burning money is dumb, but he is so friggin' rich that it, he, he's able to, and he doesn't care about burning that amount of money. I mean, that was like 50, like, boxes of I mean of of millions of pounds like just imagine how much money he really did burn on that on that shipment and just to send a message you know he didn't kill Ale he didn't want to kill Ale but he burned that just to send a message you know don't fuck with me don't go against me and he gets very 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 close and you were texting me live you know I'd already watched it so you were texting me you're like oh they're gonna kiss they're gonna kiss and I was like there's just no way they're gonna kiss but he Joe Cole hats off to him kudos to him for that acting and that scene he was very you know the one thing that Joe Cole does really well is you never know if he's going to pull his trigger metaphorically and literally, because he, he really does a good job of keeping your toes. That scene in the, in that country club dining hall tea room kind of place. And then that scene too, just phenomenal acting. It's, it's fantastic to see the peaky audience rallying around Joe Cole, but I will tell you, I think the writers are getting a little bit of flack from the uh, the Brummies because they're upset that Joe Cole has such a posh accent. This is his legitimate, you know, his Black Mirror everyday life accent instead of the, you know, the the Birmingham, the Brummie that we're used to. And so I have seen some people on Peaky Facebook kind of ripping him for it. But the majority, the vast majority of Peaky Blinders fans that I've that have reached out to to try to listen to the podcast have loved this show. Brilliant, savage, violent. But let's uh, let's go ahead and. and and tie back to the beginning of that storyline. We've got the flashback to Turkish Kurdistan in 2014. I had no idea what was coming. I don't know about you. I had a feeling it was going to be Lale, just because she's the only Middle Eastern character introduced to us. She kind of had the feels of a badass, and then she goes and kills like 40 people. But we learned that Asif, who is the dad of the, uh, the kid running for mayor of London, Asif screws her over in some way where... You know, she tortures and kills her husband. We're not sh quite sure where that mystery leads to. It's probably something with drugs. Asif doesn't even know about it. He's asking why this woman, Lale, wants to kill him at the end of the episode. And Ed tells him, hey, you know, you've made some enemies. And Asif's like, well, she's dumb to try to kill me. But it seems like Joe Cole is going to keep Asif alive. But maybe Lale and, and, and Sean will, will team up there at the end. I couldn't quite tell where Sean's motives lie when it comes to the to the Asif side of things I I don't know if Sean has an interest in just taking out 
these big players because he knows that they're so integral in making everything run. And I mean, I don't, I also think he's that naive to, to, to think that if he takes them out, that no one's going to come after him and want his head too. Like, I always think about that in these, in these mob gang kind of shows. Like if you take someone out, you think that you, that, you know, everything's done, that, that no one come after you and have a bullseye on your back. So I, I think he has that in mind. I think he just wants to intimidate and, and intimidate them and, and show them, I run this. I don't care how brutal you are. I don't care what you've done in the past. I don't care who your allies are. I run this territory and I make everything go around. Without me, you're nothing. I think that that's the kind of message that he's trying to send to Lale and to Asif. So Sean hires this man named Cole, has Elliot pick him up. He's this bearded, mysterious fellow who kills all of the workers in the uh, – what is it? The Frosted Flakes factory. And, and Fruit Loops. Was, it was Fruit Loops. No, 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 it wasn't. What was it? I think it was Frosted Flakes. Um, no, it was, it was, it was. And so uh, he kidnaps Lale's sister, his adorable niece who just wants to go around and play cops and robbers, who I loved, and, you know, holds them out in this, you know, abandoned, I think it was pretty much the same place where Elliot and Shannon were almost about to get it in. So one of the high rises. And then, I don't know who hires Elliot here. You, you can help me out here. Was it, it had to have been Ed then, right? Ed finally trusted Elliot enough to bring him in on their plan and say, hey, you know what? You're pretty good at beating people up. Why don't you go and try to kill this Cole guy? Or was it a task from his, we don't even, let's just say he's working for MI6, just to make it easier. Was it a task from them so that when he called, was he saying, hey, I need some help from them? Or was he calling Ed or Alex? Because Ed came in and obviously killed Cole. Well, I think that Elliot, when he saw that, that footage on, on, and he saw those kids being taken, and he said, oh, those kids, and Ed was like, I don't care, destroy the tape, do whatever you can, destroy the tape. I think that Elliot took it upon himself to actually go to where Cole was and save the kids. I don't think that that was actually an order from anybody because otherwise Ed would have just done it himself and shot Cole or even told Cole to stop because he knows Cole and Cole probably knows him. Because it seems like Sean has used Cole as a hitman before, as evidenced by Elliot's reaction to saying, God damn, Sean, you idiot. What are you doing? What have you done this time? So I think that that was Elliot taking, on, uh, taking it upon himself to do that. And so it's interesting because we, we like, at least I like Lale. I think she's meant to be a likable character, but she clearly, you know, weighs the pros and cons here. You know, she's basically signing the death warrant, right, of her niece and nephew and her sister by going away and, and making sure that the, the plane takes off, even though she was clearly deceived. And so it's, it's interesting because it's like, it seems like multiples, multiple power players want Lale dead. Probably Asif now does. And then Ed clearly does, right? Because he was standing over the grave with Elliot saying, we're going to put Lale in there. But now it seems like Sean has teamed up with her. And I don't know how much more we can talk about Lale, but I just like saying her name because it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is interesting to see how she kind of, when she knew that her, that her sister and her, and her two nieces were like in trouble, she kind of like brushed it over. Like it wasn't a big deal. Like, oh, like I'm the, she, she looked at, she was looking at her money the whole time. Yeah. Like, like a savage. So it's kind of an insight into kind of her character and how, you know, we talk about people being married to the game. She's very married to, to the game and married to the business more than, you know, saving the people that she loves, even though you saw some fear in her eyes as I don't even know what her partner's name is. Um, but the guy kind of asked what's wrong and she said, Oh, it's nothing. But obviously clearly something was wrong. 
Um, she's she's a very polarizing, interesting character, and and I mean in that opening scene where she's over her husband who's being tortured and she gets burned by the like acidic material that's on her husband's body and she has those burns as she says, well, look at me, look at me, like whatever. Um, and she's just, she's, she's a great actress. She screams hysterically. She screams hysterically at the end. I told, I told Daniel, why is she screaming so hysterically? But she's gone through a lot. She's gone through a lot. So that was plot A. This, this episode did a fantastic job, in my opinion, of really separating, you know, Rick and Morty's a show that I really love that always has like an A plot and a B plot. But this episode had a great A plot, a great B plot, and even a solid C plot. So let's go over that B plot now. We talked about the mystery of the photos that Luann gave to Ed last episode at the diner. Ed finally reveals it to us, which is something I'm so grateful for, Josh, watching all these shows that try to trick you and, and keep things from you. But us as the audience, we need to know things in order to feel comfortable in watching shows. And so it's great to not have things kept from us. So we learn immediately it's not photos of some prostitute or some you know, secret mistress. Instead, what is it, 20 shots after people have been murdered, including a kid? So is this, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure what this is, Josh. Is it some sort of contract killing that Finn has, has ordered out to all of these people and then made sure that they take a picture after they've killed them or what? That was super interesting because you couldn't really get a glimpse of every single picture. It was only a couple where you saw that they were dead. I even thought that a couple of the pictures you could see people like alive. I thought it was like a sexual kind of connotation uh, with it. I, I don't know. It was pretty gruesome. And I think that, that, the, that the, the camera shots were pretty deliberate and not showing you the full picture and kind of still keeping you guessing a little bit. But um, I mean, if you look at the, at, the, at, the, at the look on Elliot's face, I mean, on uh, Ed's face, he's shocked. He's not like, you know, something that he doesn't really know that well. So I, I don't know. All right, I just figured it out. It's, it's been working in my head for the past 17 or 18 seconds. I may not have listened to all the things that you said, Josh. All good. I figured it out. So later in the episode, the MI6 handler talks to Elliot and her boss about how every single witness that is going to testify against the Wallaces all disappear. Every single one of them. So they've never had anyone go up to the stand to be able to put Finn Wallace in prison I think these are all of the witnesses and these are the blackmailed pictures mm. that Finn mm. may show other witnesses like, hey, if you talk, we will kill you. And I think right. I'm, I'm in around 90, 95% confidence that's a, that's that, a very, that that's what it is. That's a very smart take on it because why else would, first of all, he had these pictures as you know, evidence. It definitely does seem like it's like his enemies that, that you know, have witnessed things that, that he could it's 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 for sure a deliberate blackmail kind of play, but it's being used as blackmail against him now. I mean, after his death, but would be blackmail against Sean and would be enough to take down the Wallace business because if if this if Finn's involved in this, then Sean's most likely involved, Ed's most likely involved, Alex is most likely everyone is involved in some way. They're so deeply incriminated into this business, into all these killings, most likely, that they have, you know, standing and they, and, and they have a stake in, in, in these photographs. So I don't know what, you know, how it's going to end up playing out later in the season, but it's definitely going to mean something because as we mentioned, this is just one minor plot web that's going to interconnect. And, and as I said, every little detail in this show, we must pay attention to because it's going to have some, some meaning later on this season. 
It's just, it's just a very well done show, Josh. And there's just not many of them around nowadays. There's a lot of shows that have these plot holes and, and you just have such confidence that these holes will be filled. And so talking about one of the holes that we weren't sure what was going to happen is Marianne Wallace hiring, obviously the greatest PI in the history of London, because mm. this woman dug up a boat that Finn had sunk, what, $30 million into and called the Floriana, which was obviously named after his Albanian mistress. And then this island, this dude bought an island, Josh, for what, $140 million that he was- Well, it, probably, it was probably pounds. Pounds, which means sorry, that even, even more. more right? yeah. yeah, so million pounds. And this is, this is the thing that we all have been joking about. I mean, it'd be great if you know, Vince McMahon could just buy an island and we could have UFC fights on it while there's no sports during coronavirus. Dana White, Dana White. Dana, Dana White. White, whatever. What's McMahon? WWE, I think? He is and, WWE, yeah. And so it's, it's, it led me to now have a little bit more of a stretch take because we still don't know why Finn Wallace went to a random motel with all this money. We think, obviously we think that it's Floriana's place and that's what we're, we're led to believe at the end. But why was he just randomly bringing her money unless he has these dead drops often? I think that's, off, that's something that's, that's up there, but I'm pretty sure that he was going to use that money to maybe get her a passport or get himself a passport. Maybe he was meant to meet someone else there because it's odd that he was going to her place and she wasn't there, right? At least for me, it's, it's something that kind of stands out. Obviously, we don't know who set them up, but why wasn't Floriana there waiting for him if they were supposed to meet up? It's, it's something that we don't know. And it's something that I, I hope we find out. And it's one of those things I think every single episode we'll find out a little, a little more um, into, the, in, into the, uh, the double life, I guess, of Finn Wallace with this, with this mistress, Floriana, who we don't know about. Maybe Floriana is not even actually her name. Maybe it's a code name of some sorts. Maybe uh, he's using the island and the boat to launder money of some sorts, as you and I discussed. It's similar to Ozark. They kind of remind me of Ozark a little bit. You know, like maybe some money laundering scheme. He has a child coming on the way. We, we heard about this. So there's a lot of question marks as to who this Floriana character is, what he was doing at that doorstep, in which we, we see for a second time when, that, when, when, the, when the Asian cop I don't really remember her name, goes to her neighbor and tries to find out a little more insight into this Floriana person. We find out that Floriana has a baby on the way with, with Finn Wallace. So that could be a reason as, as to why he was gunned down. We, we don't know. That's why this episode was more of a groundwork foundational kind of episode. I got two things that are kind of eating at me. The first one is I, I made a huge, huge jump in logic, right? When I saw the boat and I thought that when Jack said at the end of the, the pilot, you know, I won't tell anyone about the girl. I thought he was just talking about the boat. So I thought that was going to be the big twist that there wasn't actually going to be a mistress, but there was. And then the other, the other thing that's really just terrible, terrible follow-up work by the Wallaces is why they didn't go and interrogate and make sure that all of the neighbors in the apartment that their dad was killed in, you know, like why... Why didn't they go and do the due diligence to make sure that they didn't go talk to the police, right? We didn't, we didn't see anyone go and talk to that neighbor because I'm sure Sean's curious, right? He's, all he wants to know is why his dad was killed. He can get those answers by going to that neighbor and asking her the questions. Well, I mean, I think something that we need to point out as well is the fact that Sean knows who carried out the hit. So I don't know if the neighbor is going to know the intricate details behind why that individual was there to carry out that hit. Like, we know who shot, who pulled the trigger. 
but Sean doesn't know why his dad was in the middle of Albania town. No, of course, of course. That's something that's something that we all that we definitely don't know. But um, no, I mean it's that's it's definitely an interesting interesting concept and interesting thought to have and why it was there, why no one's talked to them. We heard her say, Oh, if they see you talk to me, they're gonna kill me. So she's probably been, you know, incognito, laying low, not really trying to be seen by any of these people, but also, it's probably not safe to just be out in the open there, as we saw, as there's other people, other players that are that maybe are watching that area. Um, so it's not safe for Sean, for Sean to be there either. Speaking of other players, Josh, we've got another power player added to the game as Lewin takes a trip across um, whatever body of water separates Europe and Africa. Not 100% sure. Something, something straight, maybe. And he goes to Nigeria where he needs to make a deal with this Nigerian fellow who is ruthless. I mean, we only needed five minutes of this Nigeria dude, and we learned that he is going to lock a man into concrete forever into the pillar of his newest building. That is next-level mob stuff. It was savage. And once again, in Peaky and in Game of Thrones, very, very various death scene. Uh, sorry, not Varys, Viserys, when he gets that gold dumped on his head. I don't remember exactly what episode of Peaky it was where someone had, like, you know, something hot poured on their head. But it happened in Peaky because I mentioned it. But then here, too, when he gets the concrete just poured on his head, like, it's, it's, it's a vile scene. It's a, it's a savage scene. It's, it's the tar. It's crazy. The tar in season five that um, yes. Abarama yes. Gold pours yes. on, on one of the Billy Boys. Right. So this is another, you know, this is this has become a popular way of uh, torturing and killing people. But this guy is now engraved into this pillar. You know, this Nigerian king, who when he's talking to, was it Lujan or Luwan? I, I keep Luwan. I think it's L U W A N or L U A N right. something like that. When he's talking to Luwan, Luwan is basically saying, "Oh, like you know, the the money is coming from the Wallaces, and soon." And he says, "Basically, I don't give a fuck. I want I want I want my money. I don't care how it comes. I want I want my money." So now we have a new player in this, the, this Nigerian player, um, which is super interesting to see this, this, this interplay of all these uh, different territories. And this is what makes the show super modern. And, you know, a, a huge difference from, from like, you know, the whole peaky mob, mob world is we have different territories, different nationalities, different, different ethnicities that we, that we aren't super, uh, inter- like, you know, woke on, I guess, and into how they interplay with each other. If, if people can help us out and, telling us why there is such a big Albanian influence in London. You know, I didn't know that. Daniel didn't know that. You know, it's, it would be helpful because this is new territory for us, and we're just starting to scratch the surface on who these players are and how they all interconnect. And so we can, we can finish it with Josh's favorite game of was it corny? Because we had a great fight scene at the end. I thought it was a pretty <sighs> solid fight scene. It was very Jason Bourne-esque. I think it's the last thing in this episode that we haven't talked about. We saved it for the end. It was Cole versus Elliot. It was the worst part for me was that it was all for no reason. Cole yeah. <laughs> never going to hurt the kids. And Elliot just had to go through the ringer. I mean, how many times has Elliot suffered concussions in three episodes? The, the one thing that I, I will, I guess I'll rebut on the fact that it was for no reason is the kind of thing that I said in the, in the, in the beginning of, of this episode was, Oh, I think that Elliot kind of carried it out on his own without knowing the motive of Sean and without knowing and, and without being instructed by, by Ed to go, to go save the kids. I think he saw that footage and wanted to save the kids himself. So 
in terms of it being all for nothing, essentially it was all for nothing, but it's not that, you know, that Elliot thought that it was for nothing, if that kind of makes sense. His motive was different. How did you think that where he knew? I figured he only knew that they were there because Ed did some sort of research and helped him out. So I figured they were working together, but maybe it was the MI6. Well, be, no, because he dropped off Cole at that building. No, in the I, beginning. Did he? I, yeah, oh, remember he dropped right. him off and he told him to fuck off. Yep, and yep. He, so he knew he was at that building. So that's why I think even more that it was on his own intuition to go save those kids. But going into that fight scene, I mean, I texted Daniel. This was my least favorite part of the show so far. Just, you know, I understand it's, it's a television show and I do this a lot. And I tell people to shut up a lot. We're like, oh, this isn't realistic. This was way too unrealistic. I mean, Cole is beating the shit out of Elliot left and right. Elliot has like nine concussions. He probably has a brain hemorrhage. Um, and when, when, he, when Cole is swinging this axe, Elliot is just catching it with one arm in midair. Like, that thing's probably, like, 50, like, 40 pounds. Like, it just wasn't realistic. And, I mean, they could have cut the fight scene a little bit more. And the, the only thing that I will say was realistic about it is that Elliot does have weaknesses. And he d- doesn't just, you know, beat the shit out of people. He doesn't just, you know. He lost. Right. He lost. But it was, it's just, like, it was, it was annoying. It, it dragged on. It was unrealistic. He probably wouldn't have been able to just get up, catch that axe. He would have been beaten to shit if that was real life. So that's the only quibble that I have with this episode of the show so far is the fight scenes sometimes are not as realistic, but I think that, that this show is meant to be that way. Okay, so now let me ask you. Josh and I have seen three episodes. We know there are six more. We know three of them are directed by friend of the podcast, Xavier Johns. Who do you think comes out of this season alive? Give me like three or four. I, I have a feeling that this is one of those shows, Josh, where a lot of people are going to die. We, I, we, we were told that no one's safe. We were told that nobody is safe. I, I don't know who's going to die. I wouldn't be surprised if Elliot dies. I would not be surprised because it's just, it's one of those shows that I think that no one's safe and that it would be believable that he, you know, gets his thrown into the fire. We talked about, I mean, in early on the episode when he's meeting with his partner in the car and he's talking about another, you know, agent or another cop that was undercover that died on the job. And he kind of mentioned, oh, just like, just like he died, right? So I think it's kind of could be foreshadowing into maybe him dying or maybe, maybe even she dies. You know, maybe, maybe she gets exposed by somebody when she's making these visits into the Albania territory when she shouldn't be sticking her nose where she shouldn't. Um, I think Lolly could be a character that, that, that could die shortly. And I mean, I think, I think Sean is safe. I think Sean's kind of like the Tommy Shelby where he's off limits, kind of like the Arya Stark where he's off limits. That's just me. Maybe that's just the season, but. Interesting. Um, I actually I did. Go well, ahead. I, I, I don't think anybody's safe, to be honest. Yeah, I was going to say, I actually think that the, the way that Sean has laid his, you know, laid down his, his eggs to hatch, I'm not sure that they are meant to last the entire season. It's just the, the vibe that I'm getting from Sean I have one guess, and it's the only thing that I even am going to throw out there because it's so obscure. It's not like I read it in any theories or heard from any spoilers. I I have a feeling that Billy is going to come out on top. Uh, That's interesting because he's he's a very, he's a, wait, you mean like coming on top of the family? Yeah, like he's going to be the one that's going to be leading the Wallaces by episode nine. That's super interesting because I just, I just don't see him as that kind of guy, although... It's only uh, because he shot the dude. Yeah, but he also said 
uh, earlier in the episode to El- to Elliot, you know, when he heard what what who he was picking up, he was picking up Cole. He said, "Don't let him get in there." He points to his head. Um, it was really interesting. It was a lot of foreshadowing there, I think, um, because it seems like Sean is very manipulative and he's maniacal in a sense that he gets in people's head and he's and he gets what he wants all the time. So um, maybe Billy is kind of the more mature, you know the one who should be the, the more rational kind of leader of the family as opposed to Sean, who's kind of more brash and, you know, John Shelby-esque in a, in, in a way. Yeah, and, and the real question is, will Michelle Fairley's character have more lines in episode four than she did in episodes <laughs> one, two, and three? Because I want to see more of Cat Stark. I think that, yeah, I think that we saw a lot more here. Um, She's still mourning, first of all. I, th- I think that, that we need, that we need to, to see that. I think that that's kind of deliberate on the, on the part of, of the writers and the directors to her characters. She's still mourning. We don't know if this is the only mistress of Finn or if it's been a reoccurring thing, but she could also be shocked to hear that her dead husband is, you know, was cheating on her and is having a child with someone else. Bought a, spent over 250 million pounds, more or less, on a boat in, a, in an island for this woman. I mean... She's, she's kind of shocked, I think. And, I, and I'm hoping she breaks out of that shocked, you know, shocked state soon because she's such a great actress. But we need some more words. Yeah, I want to see the scorned Marianne Wallace. Yes. She said, remember, she said in episode one, if it's another woman, I am going to lose my shit, basically. And she right. found out now that it's not only another woman, but he was preparing to run away with her, leave his life altogether. And so we so- think. So we think. Yes, that's what she thinks I'm saying. So, like, because that's her mentality, right, I have right, a feeling right. the, the morning is going to fade, and we're going to get into afternoon, if you caught what I did there, uh-huh. and, then, and then maybe well, even um, evening. And so that's the perfect time to wrap up this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Gangs of London, Season 1, Episode 3, and 8.8 on IMDb, directed by Corin Hardy. We're going to move on to episode four next episode. So make sure that you're all caught up. If you have any thoughts and you want to give us your feedback from this episode or any of the top three episodes, go ahead and reach out to us. The links are all below. Email at B-O-O-T peakyblinders at gmail.com and facebook.com slash podcast. For Josh, I'm Daniel. We binge so you don't have to.